Hey everyone, welcome to 11 Questions, where each week we meet a new person and get to know their creative lives. I'm your host, Aman Tiwana, and our guest today is a Pakistani-American author, Sonia Kamal. Let's get to know her with 11 Questions. Hi, Sonia. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, Aman, for having me. I want to start by asking, do you prefer cha or coffee? That's a hard one. I, I'm going to say chai. But I love my coffee also very much. So both of them. I prefer both of them depending on different hours of the day. That's no answer at all. But I let us try. <laughs> that is that is the best answer when it's the truth. I like them both. I like them both. It's hard to choose between them. They're both comforting. They're both life in different ways. How can you choose one over the other? What's your favorite place in the whole world? Now you're going to say again that that's no answer. But honestly, the inside of a good book. The inside of a book that makes me forget where I am is the best place in the world. No, I love that answer. I'm not going to say that it's not an answer. Because I read a lot, so I understand what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. So far in your life, what's something that you are really proud of? The standard answer would, and the truthful answer would be my children, but also my resilience to bounce back from adversity both physical and emotional. Sometimes you can find yourself really, really alone with the pain that you're going through. For instance, um, many, many years ago, I had a very, very bad miscarriage. And, you know, like they say, sometimes you're the only one who really can understand what your loss is and what you're going through. You know, so far in life, thankfully, I've been able to dig myself out of extremely hurtful situations. I hope I don't have too many in the future, but I hope... But if I do, I hope I'm still able to bounce back. And is there something that you had to unlearn? I had to unlearn, and I think it's always a work in progress, just trusting everyone on face value. I had to unlearn that not everyone has your best interest at heart, like you may have for them, and that it's okay to protect yourself and learn to care for yourself. It doesn't mean you're selfish or you're self-centered. It just means that the care that you show for others, you deserve to have that extended for your own heart also. Now, I want to talk about your writing. But before <laughs> that, if you couldn't be a writer, what else would you be? I wanted to be an actress. At the, actress. at the age of 12, I wanted to be an actress. I talk about why in my TEDx talk, and I talk about why I wasn't able to do that, and the emotional burden and regret of that that I've carried for a very, very, very long time. I actually never wanted to be a writer. Writer was something I I used to tell stories just for fun as a kid. But writing was not some something I wanted to do really or become. I wanted to become an actress. But life took me in this direction. It's okay. It's been okay. You know, you could still do that. And I'm saying because I know there's like a group of people who all have like tech jobs and stuff. I know. But they do all this for fun. Yeah. No, you know, honestly, the thing is that back in the day, I was offered a lot of TV roles, film roles, all, all sorts of things. And when you're young and it's your dream and that's what you want to do, you're in a different space emotionally. At my age, emotional age where I am, it's not something I'm ready to really embark on. If I, if I were to ever act like that, I do it as a hobby now, but not as a career and not as a profession. And that's where the difference is. Like I am a writer now. This is my career. And I'd like to focus on that versus had I been allowed to do what I really wanted to do, then acting would have been 
my career. And maybe writing would have been a hobby. So so there is a difference in that. And also and, it's a completely different world when you're being offered roles, you know, versus <laughs> going out yourself. And, you know, it's, it's a different thing. How often do you write now? Not as much as I should. <laughs> do you have like a routine that follows? No, which is, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Not having a routine is a good thing because then you don't, at least I don't feel some burden that I have to sit down and have to get something done. And the bad thing is then you don't get anything done and you don't have anything to show for it. So, I mean, I do, a lot of the writing process, I, I do believe, um, takes place in your, you know, your, your thoughts, your head, your figuring out things out. But then at the end of the day, you do have to sit down and you do have to put all those thoughts onto paper in some organized fashion to be able to call it a story. So I am writing, but in my head all the time. <laughs> I'm finding it a bit challenging to sit down and actually get things on paper. That's a good way to say it, that I'm <laughs> writing in my head right now. <laughs> I'm always writing, always, so yeah. But not on paper. Inspiration? I, I don't know. I'm never at a lack for stories. I'll see some else. Things just come to me. Voices just come. They just come to me. A character's voice or a certain sentence or a scenario. At this point, I've got too many ideas and I don't know what to do. Too many voices living within my head wanting to come out and I don't even know what to choose at this point. Of course, there's inspiration in everyday life also depending on what sort of an author you are, what sort of stuff you want to do. You know, you can watch the daily news and there's so, there's so many atrocities going on there, which can be, you know, inspirational in so far that you want to get deeper into them, spread awareness. And of course, writing is not preaching. But I like to include social justice, women's issues, men's issues, etc. in my work and in my writing, political issues. They're one of the very first stories I wrote, Papa's Girl. I was just sitting one afternoon and all of a sudden the first sentence in this boy's voice came into my head. And, um, and the story just went on from there. So it's, it's sometimes it's quite, it's, it's interesting when there's so many different voices in your head <laughs> and you wonder where they're coming from. And why they're coming to you. Why these voices are channeling you to express them. That sounds almost magical to me. <laughs> you know, it's it's so interesting, Raman, that you use the word magical because that's such an affirmative and happy word to use. Magic is so glorified and magic can be so beautiful. But on the other hand, this sort of thing can be really disturbing. But where are, how can you be hearing things and having voices and... <laughs> Is it is it jinn? Is it ghosts? Is it what you know? Is it yeah, spirits? Like what what is it? <laughs> so so, but I I like I like to think of it, you know, as good magic. So, yeah, magic. mine is like all Disney magic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sparkles and stars <laughs> and yeah. So far, what's the best phrase that you have gotten for your work? Every story and every novel, my two novels so far that I've written have gotten some lovely praise. So this is a, honestly a very hard question to, to pick. Even my essays and stuff, even in the, all, all the work I've gotten has gotten some high praise. But I think if I'm going to have to answer this question, then um, Professor Nalini of Seattle University called unmarriageable Babington Macaulay, who was a British colonizer who changed the linguistic policy of throughout the empire by replacing indigenous languages with English as the official language. Uh, she called, Professor Nani called um, unmarriageable Babington Macaulay's worst nightmare. 
And I think for me that way, she, you know, that really told me that what I had set out to do with Unmarried for was being seen and being appreciated. But to, for her to put it in those words that it was, um, I, I had read his speech that he'd given to British Parliament in 1835. And that was actually the direct jumping board for wanting to write a post-colonial retelling of a British classic in Unmarriage Book. So to have her see that and, and then call it his nightmare, I think definitely for me that will always be, if not the highest place, definitely one of the top most highest places ever. <laughs> That's actually a great place, like badge of honor or something. It, I, I think for uh, post-colonial and we can discuss what post means when it comes to, to colonialism. There's so many different types and ways of being colonized. But um, but yes, for post-colonial country, for the project that was unmarriageable for this very reason, it is it, it is the highest place possible. And you know, the flip side is you also get criticism when you put your work out there. I want to know how you deal with criticism when it comes to your writings. I deal with both praise and criticism in the same way. When you're a writer, I think one of the fastest things you need to learn is to not take everyone's criticism very seriously and to not take praise that seriously either. You are not the best writer in the world. You are not the worst writer in the world. Different people, different readers, different critics have subjective opinions, different likes and dislikes, and they're bringing their history, especially readers, you know, they're bringing their likes and dislikes to what they're reading. And you can't please everyone. I walk that tightrope balance. I hope I walk it well. I don't let praise get to my head and I don't let criticism get to my head either. Of course, if there's something that I feel that I, I could have executed better, I'll work on that. But if there's something I think is perfectly fine, then I don't. I'm okay with that. I can live with myself. I can live with everything I've written. I'm okay with it. And now I have a question for the reader in you. If you were to be deserted on an island, which three books would you take with you? I cannot answer that question. <laughs> I, I just can't. There, there are just too many between nonfiction, poetry, fiction, memoir. The, the genre. There are just too many. You know, even even within genres, thrillers, uh, mysteries, literary fiction. There's just it's just it, there's just too much. I love too many books. My entire house is just. It's just one big book and books and books and books. And I would not think I have books from my childhood, from 12 years onwards, which I, I hug close to me. Uh, they're my, you know, all these things that books are, every book is so precious to me. That is really, for me, that's an impossible question. It's the same as asking me, which child would you rescue? If, if, <laughs> it, it, it really is. Which child would you, you know, choose to save or rescue? That. If somebody asks you this many. question, I'm like, can I pick series? Because that way I get more books in. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is honestly a very hard, hard question to answer. I mean, I think my best answer would be, I hope to God I'm never in that situation <laughs> where I'm on a deserted island, for God's sake. <laughs> for our last question, if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share, what would you tell today? It sounds like a very simple question. But it's the one that trips. You know, I I think for me, a really interesting and full circle experience has been being invited to deliver the keynote welcoming address to American citizens in the very same building and room in which I became an American citizen myself. 
I actually chose to become an American citizen when I was yelled at to get out of this country and that people like me and my children were not welcome here. And I had to sit down and I had to decide what it means to live in a country, belong to a country. Did I want to stay on in this country? And I decided, you know, let me do, let me become a citizen, you know, and uh, someone wants me to get out, but this has been my home for a long time and, uh, and let me formalize it because you can have emotional homes, right? You can live in so many different places. You can visit as a tourist so many different places, but then you bring something back with you, a memory of a beach or a memory of, you know, a nice meal or someone being kind to you from that country. And that becomes an emotional home in a way. And the passport or citizenship just formalizes that emotionality in some respect. But for me, I think when I was invited to then deliver the keynote speech, welcoming 150 people to the U.S., handing out their citizenship certificate to them, literally welcoming them into the country, saying, welcome to your new home. Writing that speech was very emotional. And I wanted to stress in that that we immigrants don't move to a country without anything. We bring our hopes and dreams, and we bring our skills. We bring our brains. We bring our hearts to this new country. We don't come empty-handed. If we're given something from a country that we move to, we also give a lot to that country. And I wanted to convey that in my speech. That was a very important lesson that I have learned over the world, over my lifetime. I moved a lot when I was younger also. So, you know, we all bring a lot of baggage when we move. But in this instance, that baggage is a good thing. It's our hopes, our hearts, our dreams, our brains, our skills, our crafts become full. And we share that fullness with the new homes that we make. That's beautiful. And I hope a lot of people hear this message because there's a lot of... <laughs> Misinformation around what to make it. No, you know, my, my citizen speech is available online. It was published by the Bitter Sadhana. It's, it's available for everyone to read. From any country. I don't just have to be an American citizen. It's welcoming. It's, I think it's applicable to anyone, anywhere, whether they are born in a country or moving to a country, immigrating, remaining where they are. I think um, what it means to belong and why we feel at home in a country and what makes a country home, that's what the speech is about. Thank you, Sonia, for answering my 11 questions. But <laughs> before we end our chat, I just want to tell you how much I loved your book, Unmarriageable. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I have checked their website and there are so many amazing options that I can't wait to try. Go to the link in the show notes to get $80 off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. I listened to it on audio and the, all the use of like Urdu words, it was like so endearing to hear the narrator say everything and I absolutely loved the story. Thank you so much for, um, you know, having me on 11 Questions and, and also for loving Unmarriageable and sharing that with me. If you heard the audio version, then you probably heard me. I, I'm the narrator for, oh, really? I didn't for Unmarriageable. Yes, and you know, honestly, I get this a lot. People will tell me, 
who was your narrator? She was so good. And I'm like, I, I narrated it. I did an amazing job because I love Thank you. narration so much. And I felt Thank you so much. It made the character so much more alive in some way for me. Great. Yeah, even even doing the audio was a fluke, actually. I never meant to do it. When they first invite, asked me to do it, I said no, because we need a lot of acting skill with reading a book about fiction or any book out. And I'm not a trained actress. So I'm not trained in any way. I had a dream, but that was it. What happened was then the executive editor of Audible at Penguin Random House, she sent me another email and it was, it just changed my mind. She said, you know, I've watched your TEDx talk where you talk about your dream of wanting to be an actress and how it didn't come true and the reality that you're a writer. And she said, if you read, if you narrate the audiobook out, it will be your dream and your reality coming together. And you know, I never, ever thought of it that way. She opened a new window of looking into something, into this for me. And I was like, you know, I'll do it. What's the worst that can happen? I'll be so dreadful. They'll say, please go. <laughs> but thankfully, that didn't happen. And um, and yeah, that's how that came about. And which And actually, the lesson I learned in that really was to never just say no immediately to something. You know, to never just think that you can't, you won't be able to handle something. Or if someone is inviting you to do something, they're, they're clearly... They're inviting you for a reason. They've clearly seen something in you that perhaps you can't see yourself. So, um, so I'm so glad that they followed up and she said that, you know, that combination of fulfilling a dream is only through, you know, through my voice. And voice vocal acting is much harder, I feel, because you don't have your expressions or body or anything. It's just your voice. And I had one week within which I said yes. And then I had to, um, go into the studio and you do one take. It's not like you get chapter three wrong, then you can redo it. You just narrate the whole thing pretty much in one go over four or five days. It was one of the most best experiences of honestly my life. And I nearly said no to that. So my lesson learned in that, in that was you never say no. If you fail, you fail. It doesn't matter if you survive. You know? so I'm glad you did it because it was amazing. And thank you. this is also a great message to end the chat on. Thank you so much. Trying to learn this in my life to not say no to things and say yes. You know, Dami, the, the honest truth is sometimes I feel that we mistake having learned a lesson as something that will then carry on for the rest of our life. Sometimes we learn things and then we forget we learn those and we have to relearn it. And if we're lucky, those opportunities come again. So sometimes one lesson learned doesn't mean it's going to now carry on forever. We're continually works in progress and are learning and unlearning. One of the questions you asked in the beginning is a continuous thing. You know, maybe I'll be offered something in the future and I'll say no. And then hopefully I'll remember that. Don't say no. <laughs> and, um, you know, so we always, life is honestly a series of lessons within small. And how we react to those lessons, what we take from them is, is really, I think, at the end of the day, that's what life is. Just lessons we learn and sometimes lessons we give to others without even Someone might be learning something from our own experiences, which is the great joy of writing or of, of music or the arts or anything, which is, it's an interplay of lessons. That's so beautiful, Sonia. I feel like you're writing in your head right now. <laughs> I'm philosophizing in my, you know, my undergrad degree was in philosophy. A lot of people think it's literature. It wasn't. I, I was, I, I chose philosophy for my bachelor's degree. So, um, I'm always in this, in this mood which my children will attest, can be very annoying <laughs> when you're living with someone who turns everything into some letters. You can see that I'm not like that. So, so yeah. But thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you.
thank you again, Sonia. It was wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you for having me on. Listeners, do check out Sonia's amazing book, Unmarriageable, and I'll see you here next week with a new guest. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening and if you like this episode please leave a 5 star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11 Questions Pod for more videos and updates and I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye.